My text for you today is uh, the book of Zechariah, the ninth chapter and verse 12. I want to speak about prisoners of hope. It says, return to thy stronghold, you prisoners of hope, for even today I declare that I will restore double to you. You know, there are some things in life that we can and must do, and there are some things only God can do. For instance, faith is a gift of God. It's a heavenly substance. You can't produce faith, not in a million years, no matter how hard you try. Faith is a gift of God. It's, 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 it's from heaven. But what we can do is we can believe. And the more we believe, the more God can impart faith to us. Another thing that we cannot produce is joy. Joy is a, is a fruit of the Spirit. Now, we can all re rejoice. That's what we can do. That's our responsibility. We rejoice and God will develop the, the fruit of joy in us. Another thing that we cannot produce is character. We've got to allow the Holy Spirit. We've got to allow God to work character in us. And the way that He does this is through the trials and testings that we go through because that is what produces experience. That is what produces patience and patience produces character. There is no such thing as the gift of character. All, we, all of us wish that uh, somebody could just lay hands on us and impart the gift of character. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. Character can only come through testings and trials and our willingness to allow God to put us through the process because that's how character is developed. But the million dollar question I want to ask today is, how is hope developed? How do we get hope? Now hope is developed through trust. It's very much like faith. Now, faith and hope, they are, they are similar, but one deals with the present and one deals with the future. One is grace for the present, one is grace for the future. Uh, how does faith come? It comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now hope in the, in the same way, in a sense that it originates from the Word of God, but where faith comes by hearing that rhema word, hope is developed by, by the logos or the written Word of God. And the more we read Scripture, the more hope can be developed in us. Biblical hope rests on the promises of God's Word, and it's not inferior to faith. In fact, it is more primordial, if you think about it, right? Because faith is the assurance of things hoped for, which means that if you don't have hope, you don't have the raw materials to develop faith, right? Now, faith is the present possession of grace, but hope is the future possession of grace if we hold fast. Hallelujah. Amen. And like faith, hope is a heavenly substance. You can't produce it, but if you trust in the Word of God, you trust in His character, then they that trust in the Lord shall be like Mount Zion. They shall not be moved. Amen. Now, there's a difference between trusting and believing. Believing is active. Trusting is passive. And there are times, listen, there are times when our ability to believe is suspended. We've all gone through periods like this. We've all taken times to be weak, right? The, the Word of Faith preachers sometimes say, Come on, all you have to do is have faith, 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 faith. And that's like mental gymnastics. And there's no amount of ex exertion of our belief that's going to move a mountain. You can't move a mountain by shouting at it. You can't move a mountain by screaming at it. You can't move a mountain by saying, I believe, I believe, I believe. The mountain only will move if you have faith. Amen. And that's a heavenly substance from God. Now in times when our ability to believe is suspended, in those times the Bible says we must trust. And trust is what produces hope in us. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 says, for whatever things were written be before were written for our learning, that through the patience and comfort, watch this, of the scriptures, we might have hope. What Paul is saying is oftentimes when we read the scriptures, we see how people who trusted in God had their, 
deliverance. And uh, what that does is it produces hope in us. It gives us hope because we can believe God for the same things. Amen. There are three virtues in, the, in, in Scripture that every Christian ought to have, and that is faith, hope, and love. When we stand before God on that great judgment day, these are three things He'll be looking for. These three things will abide for eternity. I've heard many sermons on faith, many sermons on faith, many sermons on, on love, but not many times have I heard preachers actually preach on the subject of hope, and yet this is as important as faith and, and love. Hope gives us a reason to live for the future. Amen. Hope will enable us to work through a difficult marriage. Because hope says things can be different. Hope will enable us to work through a difficult time with your kids because you know that God can change people's lives. Amen? So biblical hope is the joyful expectation of good. Now in uh, 2003, we had one of the, the greatest conventions ever in the history of our church. And uh, Brother Bailey, we had a Zion convention and Brother Bailey was our speaker. And before this, the convention, he had a, an amazing vision of Cornerstone. And it was a heavenly vision. And in the vision, he saw a leg. And by the leg, he saw a field of daffodils. And Brother Bailey asked the Lord, he said, what, are this, what is this field of daffodils? What do they represent? And the Lord said to him in the, in the vision, he says, this is Cornerstone in heaven. This is part of God's purpose and plan for us. And he said, as I was meditating on this, uh, this vision, the Lord reminded that the daffodil was the resurrection flower. It is the first, one of the first flowers that bloom after a hard winter. The resurrection, of course, is a symbol of hope. And then, of course, the Cancer Society also adopted the daffodil as an emblem. And essentially, this is, the Lord says, uh, was showing him that uh, he was seeking to implant hope in the hearts of every person in Cornerstone so that we would be emblems of hope, that we would be able to be like spiritual daffodils who give hope to other people. But what, what Brother Bailey did not know at that time was that eight years later, uh, the Lord would call us to purchase the Bible College of Wales, and the daffodil is the national flower of Wales. And God would give us a rich inheritance in that. So this whole vision was a very prophetic vision for us. And this is Brother Bailey's quote, and let me just quote it. It says, I have utmost confidence in declaring that the, one of the virtues that God wants Cornerstonians to manifest is hope. You will have to find a way for hope to be birthed in your hearts and then come to maturity. Wow, so amazing. Now, I want to come back to this uh, Zechariah 9 uh, verse again, because it's a picture of a believer in captivity. Now, there are seasons in our lives when we have to be um, hedged in almost by divine providence, or usually by divine providence, and we feel like we're in a prison. I don't know if you've ever gone through those uh, circumstances. It's like an arrow in the quiver of a bowman. The most difficult thing about being hit in his quiver is to see all the other arrows being shot out, and you're thinking to yourself, boy, when is my turn coming? When is God ever going to use me? I see all these people running with the vision. I see all these people having, when is my turn coming? And it's a, captivity is not a fun place to be. But every great man in the Bible had to go through this season in their lives. We think of Joseph, we think of Moses, we think of Paul, we think of Jeremiah. At some point in your life, you have to go through these prison experiences. Amen. Now, there are four parts of this verse that I'd like to unpack with you, and I think this is an amazing uh, word today. Firstly, we're called to be prisoners of hope, not prisoners of hopelessness. Now, hope and hopelessness are equally as contagious. It's like fear and courage. Have you noticed that fear is super, super contagious? One act of fear and a whole army can be demoralized. 
But I tell you what it says, equally contagious, courage. And one act of courage can overturn and reverse what fear has done. Come on. And that's why God is always looking for the one man, one woman who will stand up with boldness and courage to reverse the course of nature. Amen. Now it's easier, to, uh, it's, it's many of us, it's uh, our prisoners of doubt and uh, fear. It's easier to accept the situation as it is than just keep on hoping, right? Because for many of us, hope is not a natural or default, it's, it's, it's not a default mechanism in us, right? So we must intentionally choose hope and sometimes like Abraham, to hope against hope. I mean, think about that. That guy was 100 years before his son Isaac was born. And he kept hoping for 25 years, something like 25 years, he kept on hoping that God would keep his word and God came through for him. Amen. Biblical hope is one of the greatest things in the world, I think. If you think about it, it's, it's, it's more antiquated than faith. People with the most hope are also the most positive people in the world. People with the most hope have the greatest influence as well. Man, if there's anything that people are aching for in the world today, it's hope. Amen? People are looking for hope and, and the only dispensers of true hope are believers. Now, when the devil attacks your faith, he's trying to get you to disbelieve God's word. In the garden, he said, did God say? Did God say? But when he attacks your hope, he's trying to get you to distrust God's character. And that's why the devil works over time to attack us on this point. In the Zechariah passage, we find a group of people that are bound in hope. And again, I want to say that this biblical uh, word for hope is very different from the way we use the word hope today. Uh, the word hope in our vernacular is a wishy-washy word, right? We use it like to mean, actually it means wish. I hope it won't rain. I hope I get a good grade. I hope I'll get a raise. I hope I'll marry the right person. That's not biblical hope. That's wishful thinking. But the word hope is, means I... I am sure, I'm certain of the future. Amen. It's an absolute certainty of the future and hope gives us a reason to live. Amen. Uh, why do people commit suicide? Because they've lost all hope, right? So if hope, if God's word is the primary lens through which we see life, my friends, then we will always have hope. If you have hope, then you can believe your marriage can get better. If you have hope, then you believe your children can change. If you, hope, if you have hope, you can believe your financial situations to change. It is an anticipated condition long before the breakthrough comes. Hallelujah. The second word that I want to look at in this passage is the word stronghold. And the word stronghold is not a demonic stronghold here. It's a place of safety. And we all need strongholds in our lives. Dave, and David had a wonderful stronghold, which was Zion. And it was a citadel that he often would run to where the devil could not and cannot follow you. Amen. Now, all of Christ, all of the, as, as if you're a believer, you need to have strongholds. And I want to suggest two strongholds in our lives. Number one is our secret place. We all need to discover the beauty of our the secret place. We all need to discover the wonder of who Jesus is. And for me, it's a place of refuge. It's a place of refreshing. It's where I get recalibrated, realigned every day. It, it, the Lord is in the secret place, amen? It's a place of refuge. Come on, my friends, discover this secret place, man. Amen? The second thing, uh, the second stronghold is the gathering of the saints. And God has designed that we are stronger collectively. Woo! We need one another. And that's why you cannot do church sitting in your couch and your living rooms. And I'm speaking to those of you online watching right now. Yeah, I will, I will preach it. 
at some point you need to come back to church. At some point, you can't do church at home. Zoom is okay for a season, but we must get back to fellowship. If you ever sit around a campfire, it's the piece of wood that's removed from the fire that dies out first. Fellowship is the engagement with people that you care about. Amen. I mean, it's great to see you guys. Every week when I see you guys, it, there's just joy in my spirit. Amen. Some of you, not so much joy, but it's okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I love everybody. Amen. <laughs> in the book of Proverbs, we are told that we're not to separate ourselves. You know, the Bible says that the man who separates himself seeks his own desire and rages against all wise judgment. Whenever a man begins to backslide, what's the first thing they do? They stop fellowshipping with other Christians. And this is exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants to separate you from the flock. And for this reason, the writer of the Hebrews urges us not to forsake the gathering together of the saints. One of the things that kept the fire burning in the early church was they met daily. And if I had my way, I'll have church every day. Really, every day. There's safety in the koinonia, amen? Because this is the place that God has ordained for breakthroughs to come. Did you know that most of the miracles that you watch, when we ever have, have a miracle in, in Cornerstone, most of the miracles take place in our cell groups. True. The third word is the word restore. Hey, come on, the God we serve is a restorer, amen? God restored Job after six months of contradiction and captivity. God restored David after he fell into a horrible pit. And uh, he restored Peter. And after he denied Jesus, made him the first apostle, he restored Israel and brought them back after 2,000 years against all odds. And God has promised to restore what the devil has stolen from you. I tell you this, he can restore your marriage, your backslid child. He can restore your lost fortunes, your health. He can restore your wasted years. And the concept of rest restoration is so profound in the Bible that if you understand it, you will not be discouraged even if you have suffered loss. Come on. Yes. And this is essentially what hope does. Hope reinterprets a circumstance. In every circumstance, God has a door of hope. Hosea chapter 2 and verse 15 says, and I'll give you in the valley of Achor uh, as a door of hope. The valley of Achor is the valley of trouble. But the Lord says, in every valley that I bring you in, I have a built-in door of hope. Amen? A built-in door of hope where we can find ourselves escaping. Now listen, if you're going through a hard time, just remember three things very quickly. Number one, nothing catches God by surprise. I think Bill Johnson said, before you even had a problem, God had a solution. Come on. Amen? Nothing catches God by surprise. And uh, he doesn't go, oops, I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> The second thing is, Jesus, the Lord has an answer to your dilemma. Jesus is the answer. If He's not the answer, there is no answer. And number three, He is for you. He's not against you, He's for you, and He's got your back. Amen. The fourth word is the word double. If you recall, uh, Job, he went through this horrendous time, and in one cruel stroke, he lost everything that was important to him. Everything. You know, the only thing that Job did not lose was his wife. Because he was still not perfected yet. <laughs> yeah. God's, this is God's reward for those who steadfastly hold fast to hope. Amen. Elijah said to Elisha, do you, what, what do you want? What can I do for you? He said, I want double what you've got. Come on. Paul said, the elders that, that serve well will be counted worthy of double honor. 
The Temple of Solomon was destroyed, but when it was rebuilt, it was built twice the size of the original um, uh, temple. So we need to have a mindset that does not back off when there's opposition in our lives, but realizes this is an opportunity to get double. Come on. This is an opportunity to get double. And the opposite of hope is fear and anxiety and discouragement. Why is fear so negative? Because the offspring of fear is hopelessness. And when I fall into hopelessness, I lose sight of what God has done in my life. That's why it's important for us to have a journal so that we remember and recall all the good things that God has promised us. Hallelujah. Amen. Now all of us have to grapple with this, you know. In 2012, I uh, had a prophetic dream. Now I, I, I take my dreams very seriously. But I also realized that many of my dreams, uh, the result of my just activity through the day, uh, and sometimes what I watch before I go to bed. So I'm, uh, dreams are very subjective, and so we have to be very careful how we interpret our dreams. Not every dream you get is from God, right? But in 2012, I had this amazing dream, and in this dream, I was, in a, I was a judge in a reality show. And in this, at the end of the contest, I was summoned up to the judges panel, and when I got there, the chief judge presented me with a crossbow. And it belonged to one of the characters in the reality show, and the character was called Mara. And the crossbow was called Mara's crossbow. It was a profound dream. And when I got up, let me just say something about the crossbow. The crossbow is the first range weapon to be simple, effective, and it changed the way warfare was conducted. Because in those days, they didn't have that, you know, the, when the moment they had the crossbow, it changed the way uh, weapons, uh, uh, projectile weapon, weaponry and the role of projectile weaponry. It was far superior than the longbow, which took a lot, lot of time to master and was uh, very difficult to, uh, to master. It, was, um, it required a lot of uh, expertise, right? So I felt the Holy Spirit say to me that he was seeking to weaponize, listen to this word, weaponize the church with an easy to use but effective weapon called the cross, the crossbow. And it comes true when we are willing to go to the bitter waters of Mara. Mara means bitterness and in life we will face many bitter, bitter experiences. But if we will overcome them, I'm telling you this, it will provide us weapons for the next battle. Amen. Amen. In other words, each time we pass through a bitter experience and pass the test, He weaponizes us and there's an increase in authority. Shandara Baba. I, I, this is my experience. Every time I pass a test, I come out of it stronger and there's a greater sense of authority. Amen. In, in warfare. Now, there's another reason why we can hope, and that's in uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. For we know that all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. How can Paul say that, man? I want you to look at where this verse is located. It's placed between verses 26 and verses 34. Verse 26 says this, The Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Verse 34 says, It is Christ who died and furthermore who is risen, and He who sits at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us. Now Romans, in Romans chapter 8, Paul is introducing to us the two great intercessors. One is in heaven and one is on earth. The one in heaven is Jesus and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. What is he doing? He's interceding for us. The last 2,000 years, make no mistake about it, Jesus' ministry of prayer did not end when he was crucified. It continues forever. Amen. He is our intercessor. Amen. And that's what he does. He prays for us. And I tell you this, I'm here and you are here because someone in heaven mentioned your name to the Father. 
That's the only reason why we are. I don't want you to be naive about this, my friends. We're only here because of the grace that God has given to us because Jesus prayed for us. Hallelujah. He said, Peter, I'm praying for you. No worries. You get through this. You might stumble a little bit, but you'll get through this. When you come back, you're going to be stronger. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, there's another intercessor, the second great intercessor. He's the Holy Spirit, but he's the intercessor on earth. But he needs a body to which he can intercede, and that's the church. And that's why we have the ministry of intercession and prayer. And uh, we need to ha allow the Holy Spirit to travail and pray through us. Now, why do we pray, my friends? We pray because we hope things can change. Hallelujah. Amen. Your prayer list is really your hopeless if you think about it. And you, you have not obtained the things that you're asking for, but you have hope that they will come to pass or else you would not be praying. Hope simply says, whatever the situation is, no matter how bad it is, it can change. Hallelujah. And you know, any area in our lives that, are, that we don't have hope is, means that we're under some kind of deception, right? If you think that your marriage is a hopeless situation, then you're under influence of a lie. I had a call from a gentleman, it's not from a, our church, and he says, Pastor Young, I just wanted to inform you that I was gonna, I'm going to divorce my wife. I said, don't do that. He said, no, I made up my mind. I'm, it's a hopeless situation. Now, if you're always living in a hopeless situation, then you might have to think that you're not in the right kingdom. Amen. Something wrong. Maybe you're in the wrong kingdom. So I said, no, don't, don't make that decision. He said, no, I made up my mind. I'm going to divorce my wife. That's it. Goodbye. God bless you. If you think that your children are in a hopeless situation, then you're under the influence of a lie. If you think that cancer is a death sentence, then you're under influence of a lie. Amen? All right. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, one more scripture. It says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hey, that we are not glorified yet is a fact, right? But Christ in us is the promise of future glorification. When Christ returns, it's not Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's Christ in us, the fullness of glory. Come on. That hope, uh, that hope for future glorification will become materialized, but only if Christ is in you. If you have hope, no matter how many times you fall, you can pick yourself up and keep on going. Amen? Hope does not fail, which is why it's an anchor to the, to the soul. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19, the anchor is what holds the ship steady and firm. And when the storms of life hit you, and believe me, they will, you will hold steady because you have hope. Amen. I know what I'm talking about. It is my 31st year in full-time ministry. Hope has carried me through the darkest periods. Amen. I know things can change. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. I, I want to take this to a landing. And I want to look at Proverbs 13 and as a, my, my final scripture. And verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. The idea of a tree, I, I, you know, as a pastor, one of the things I, you, you got to kind of study sometimes, and one of the things that you, you, the Bible refers to Christians as trees, trees of righteousness, amen? And a tree produces fruit, all right? And it always produces more fruit than it needs. A tree is meant for the enjoyment of other people. But when, uh, but when uh, what happens when hope is deferred? What happens when your answer to prayer is withheld? Well, when there's a delay, when there's a delay, the roots of a tree grows, goes deeper into the ground. Uh, and all that means is that when the answer comes, it becomes an amazingly fruitful tree. Amen. 
Uh, you know, Israel had two rainy seasons, the early rain and the late rain. In, in, in between that is a very dry season. Very dry. There's hardly a single drop of rain in Israel. But what that does is that it causes the trees to go very deep into the ground, its root system, to find the, the water, the groundwater table. And so that when the time of the harvest comes, it bears double. Hallelujah. There's a, there's a reason for dryness in our lives. Amen. So sometimes you go through these dry seasons in your life. Sometimes you go through these weak seasons in your life. It's just a season. That's all. And you're going to come out of it stronger. And that's where hope is important. Amen. Finally, uh, in the book of Romans, it says, tribulation produces patience. Huh? Patience. And patience produces experience. I have a lot of patience. I've never used it before. <laughs> I had a, I, I think I told you this about two weeks ago. If I didn't tell you, but I, um, I had to change my passport because it expired. So I went to the, uh, uh, the um, ICA and I didn't bring my old passport. And the lady said, so I'm so sorry, you can't, I can't give you a new passport until you bring your old passport. I said, what's the matter with you? I traveled so far, you want to make me wait again. And so, okay, I have to go all the way back and I, you know, I had to wake up early in the morning just to get there early. And then now I'm driving back and I'm frustrated in the car and I'm just, Lord, this is just terrible. I, what's wrong with these people, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and I didn't see the speedometer and I was caught speeding. Patience. <laughs> Patience. We all need to, God allows us to do that. And I had to pray and ask the Lord to forgive me for the lack of patience. And, uh, you know, we, whenever you, you are hasty, whenever you, you do, all kinds of things happen to you. All right, anyway. What is the ultimate of, uh, goal of hope? And I want to close with this. It's in Hebrews chapter 6. And here we find the tabernacle of Moses. In verse 19, the writer says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence beyond, behind the veil. What is the ultimate goal of hope? It's to take us within the veil. The forerunner is Jesus is waiting for us there, but it is hope that enables us to enter within the holiest that we might behold Him. God has ordained many of you to become messengers of hope, to be emblems of hope. People outside this church are aching for hope. And I'll tell you, it is the only people that can dispense true hope and faith is the believer. But you can only do that if you allow Him to work something in you. And that means to stay in the prison until He sets you free. Hallelujah. Something about these prison experiences that does something in our lives and that produces hope. Amen. That iron furnace will work out experience in you and that experience will give you hope and that hope will make you unashamed. Amen. I believe that when we get to heaven, Cornerstone will be there. I believe that our house will continue for eternity. And I believe that the emblem that God has given to us is the daffodil. So when you're in heaven and you're walking and you see this daffodil, that's Cornerstone Building. Hallelujah. <laughs> Bob has got a great song for us. Um, and uh, I, I want you to stand up with me. Unfortunately, I'm not allowed to sing. Uh, I can preach, but I can't sing. Isn't that crazy? 
So Bob's going to sing, but the anointing is not going to be as strong, but it's okay. I just. <laughs> you got a great song, right, Bob? Okay, go for it. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. My hope is built on nothing less but Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love through the seems to hide his face when darkness seems to hide his face I rest on his unchanging grace in every high and stormy gale my anchor holds within the veil oh Christ alone says, I lay in Zion for a stone, a tried stone, a chief cornerstone, a sure foundation. And he that believeth will not make haste. Lord, I thank you that the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And I thank you for this community of people, Lord, the promise given to this houses that we would be emblems of hope, Lord that we would be carriers of this hope, we would be messengers of hope, Lord. And I thank you, God, that you've given a message to this congregation, a, a word to this congregation in the last 30 years, Lord, a word that has built hope in us, Lord. I thank you, God, that the trials that we've gone through has produced in us patience, and patience produces experience. 
And experience produces in us this wonderful thing called hope, Lord. And I pray, God, that we will carry this hope wherever we go. We will learn to share this hope, Lord. People are going to be hopeful because of us, Lord. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, let the power of Jesus Christ be upon this house. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we bless you, Lord. Yours is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the victory forever and ever. Lord, I thank you, God, that you reign over all. Hallelujah. Both honor and riches come from your hand. Hallelujah. And you reign over all. Hallelujah. Yours is the kingdom, Lord. Yours is the kingdom and you exalted this head over all. I just bless you. I thank you, God, that in every circumstance you have overcome and that gives us great hope. Now, may the blessing of God the Father, the blessing of God the Son, and the blessing of God the Holy Spirit be with thy people now and forevermore. And everybody said, Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a big praise. Amen. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.